welcome to the leadership series on the sofa with Angie. I'm Angie Vo, the founder and CEO of Women in Tech Forum, and I'm joined today by Karis Young, who is a talent acquisition lead for the tech division at Gusto. Karis, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Lovely to be here. So um, before we dive into our topic for today, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your background uh, in tech. Absolutely. So I uh, studied psychology at university. I've always been fascinated by people. Um, and so that sort of led me to a career in talent acquisition. And when I was choosing what sort of area and sector I wanted to be in, technology seemed so fast paced and so exciting and I grew up in a time where I started school with a flip phone and ended it with the third iPhone and so I was born into uh, the rapid acceleration of the tech industry and I think that's where I sort of chose to to lay my lay my hat. Um, I also could quite clearly see um, that there was not so much diversity in the tech industry when I started in recruitment and I thought that since that was something I was always incredibly passionate about that potentially that was a place that I could be helpful and a place that I could really focus on to see what we can do in the future. Thank you and so I mean we talk about diversity in in the tech industry and uh, I think the current statistics are somewhere between 25 and 30% of the tech workforce are female. And if we look at different ethnicities, it's significantly lower. Um, have you seen any changes in, in the years that you've worked in talent acquisition? I think the key changes that I've seen um, are in the support from communities. Uh, when I first started in, in talent acquisition, I worked for a recruitment agency and was seeing a lot of things start to generate and start to gain traction with women in tech and women in the workplace more generally as well. Um, I myself started a couple of, of meetups that went really well and ran alongside uh, different groups. But I think the support from when I started to now within ourselves is a lot better. In terms of representation, there's definitely more um, going on to try and generate that diversity. There's definitely more people and roles dedicated to actually tackling the topic and, and improving this for companies around the country. Um, I'd say it's getting better. I wouldn't say it's getting better as quickly as I would like it to. Um, but I think there's certainly more opportunity for women to come together and share their experiences and feel a little bit less like the the one person in the office that is female right now um whether that be in their in their company or or outside in communities hopefully both are sort of slowly improving for sure absolutely and and if you look at some of the statistics the pace of change is so slow it will take more than 100 years to reach gender and pay parity which is shocking um, what are some of the things that employers can do to create more of a diverse workforce? So I think there's a lot of things that can be done. Um, I think the first thing needs to be making sure that the environment that you're bringing people into is actually 
conducive for people to flourish when they are perhaps the the minority within the community that they're joining and I know you do a lot of work with companies in that area so um, getting that expertise and understanding what it is they actually need to have in place before they go to market is I think one of the really important things and I'm a recruiter so I shouldn't be saying delay recruitment but I think you know if you're going to put a push into hiring gender diversity do it in a place that you know they're going to flourish and you have that plan set out for people. In terms of the actual active recruitment process itself, joining up with different organisations and communities and people that are already generating comfortable places to be is, is absolutely huge. It's how I find a lot of people that I want to bring into different companies that I work for. Um, but from the, from the company perspective, I think understand why it is you want this diversity level. We all know the reasons why it makes business sense to do so, but don't just see it as a quota filling number situation it has to be more than that there has to be we understand that different perspectives bring better gains for a company and it's also a nicer place to be for everyone involved when you have everyone having a seat at the table so I think really get that foundation of what you're going to do where they're going and why you're doing it before we can put in lots of different measures into a hiring process things like anonymizing CVs and things like that but I think a lot of companies will rush into that and not quite realize the foundations of why they ought to be doing this work. Absolutely and in fact sort of diversity inclusion equity is something that should run across an entire organization starting from sponsorship from the executive board um, down to the grassroots and also every level in between uh, and I think you made a great point there that, you know, some companies put a lot of focus on diversity hiring. Um, I hate to use the word quotas, but, yeah. um, you know, there are quotas in place um, and they often sort of stumble at how do you actually then make sure that these diverse groups succeed and thrive in the new environment. Um, and so I think that's the piece now that organizations really need to focus on is how can we actually retain uh, a diverse talent pool? How can we really reap the benefits of diversity of thinking? This is it. I mean, too far too many times I've had people and managers come to me and say, the female engineering manager is leaving and the female engineering manager is the problem you have in the sentence and so why are they leaving for a start but also is that the only reason you're worried and and then therefore we have an issue a slightly wider problem than this one person is deciding to move forward in their career potentially um so definitely agree absolutely and, and you touched on sort of uh, recruiting uh, diverse talent. And, um, you know, I think we've all heard the, the statistics that, you know, when women apply for a role, they have to tick 18, 90 percent of the criteria, whereas often with men, they typically wouldn't hesitate to apply for a role if they met 40 or 50 percent of the criteria. And um, as a recruiter, is, is that something you see as well? Definitely. I think um, when I'm looking at a list of applications for any of the roles in the tech world that I've worked in, not only do I see fewer female applicants because potentially the market reflects fewer applicants, but I see fewer applicants and I reach out to people directly that say, 
are not quite points eight and nine on the list. And to be honest, we're, what we're doing when we create a job description and a job advert is creating the perfection that we're not going to find on the market. And perhaps that's something wrong with that end of it. Maybe we need to look at how we're doing that and companies can look at what they're advertising. But I think the confidence in understanding maybe you don't have point seven and eight, but you have points nine and ten that aren't even listed, that they don't even know that they need yet. And, and I understand that does take a level of confidence and a level of sort of deep understanding. And, and that that takes time to build. But I think absolutely that is what we're seeing at the moment. And it's devastating when you reach out to someone who's phenomenally talented, um, but because maybe I've missed a couple of points on a job ad that they they sort of think is that is relevant, but it's not written on there. Um, I I would say for the same for CVs and job ads, we are all they are all just sales tools that we are using to get ourselves into a position of a communication. So I would say my job and people like me are there to make sure that if maybe one thing looks like something but isn't, that's exactly what you talk to recruiters and talent acquisition for is to color that, flesh it out a bit. Don't take your CVs too seriously apart from as a tool to get you into a conversation and the same thing with job ads as well. Uh, that's great advice and I think particularly in the current environment we we saw in December alone you know more than 220,000 layoffs in the tech sector and that trend is unfortunately continuing in January and, and is likely to continue throughout the year. So what advice would you give to people who are looking for roles right now? Yeah, so we are definitely entering a difficult market. Um, I would say we're looking at quite a candidate heavy market. It's definitely biased in favour of companies that are still hiring at the moment and are still looking at talent. We're getting people look for jobs that are maybe lesser than they've just come out of or, or just moved from. So I think the tips that I have are really uh, a few sort of things that you can look at your CV with a reflection on. The first being really focus on achievements. A lot of CVs that I see almost become responsibility lists. So they're like mini job ads in each paragraph that I'm reading. So this role, the responsibilities of this role were X, Y, Z. And, and that's great. And it gives me an understanding of what the role is that you performed. What it doesn't give me an understanding of is how well and what amazing things you achieved during that role. And I think I don't see enough of that in CVs that come across my desks. I think if you've you know, if you've created a brand new product from end to end, put that in there. If you've developed code and got rid of bugs that nobody else in your team could have, let's get that in there. Um, if you've taken yourself from junior engineer to lead engineer within one company, explain to me in that CV how you've done that. Show me that journey, because the truth is a recruiter gets so used to looking at CVs that we have to go through reasonably quickly. And what I'm looking for is what what makes you different from the other people who have been an engineering manager or a CTO or a VP of development. What makes you as a candidate different? So I think definitely that's an important one to remember. I think also explaining any career gaps, quote unquote, as we call them. I hate that term, but I can't think of a better one. Things like if we have left on maternity leave and come back and understood that there are so many transferable skills that you learn or having a child or adopting a child that are incredible and can be used in the future workplace. So please don't shy away and just sort of leave an unexplained gap in that CV. I think 
Um, it's just going to cause more questions than answers, um, to be honest. And then also a really big one that I like to give candidates is in most platforms, if you're applying online now, you will see either a name or a profile of the person who posted that job. We have the wonder of LinkedIn these days. There's no reason we can't be applying to a job and then messaging that person and saying, hey, I, just to let you know, I applied to the job. I think there's a lot of points I really resonate here and I'd love to have a chat. And it just personifies what can be 70, 100, 200 applications in a week. It just personifies you and stands you out. So I think those tips for sure. And then obviously, of course, we have people that are experts in women in technology, job hunting, have special boards, boards that maybe other people won't find or aren't appropriate for. And I think I know Women in Tech Forum has one such board. And I think let's look for different places than everyone else for jobs that we're looking for and understand this company really holds the same values as me and, and therefore I'm going to put some thought into this application as opposed to just firing off a hundred in a day, for example. That's some great advice. Thank you, Karis. And, and it's interesting about the sort of personalized approach as well, because a lot of candidates think, well, should I message them directly or, or you know, do, you, do they think I want preferential treatment? But actually that personalized outreach you know, shows your commitment, you're possibly highlighting one or two key points as to why you're a great fit for the role and for the company. Uh, and it helps you stand out, particularly, as you said, in, in a market that's very crowded right now from a candidate perspective. Um, so, um, so we're going to switch now to um, sort of interviewing skills as well. What are some of the things that you look for in an interview that really helps you know, bring a candidate to life or helps them stand out from other people? Yeah. So if I'm ever doing interview coaching, my number one tip is treat this as though you're a consultant. You have a set of skills and you are an expert in a set of things that they don't have or they would not be advertising the role. So me personally and any of my friends, family or candidates that I work with, I say go into it with the understanding that this is an equal conversation. They are looking for someone just as much as you are looking for a new role. And going in with that level of confidence in your ability, yes, perhaps there may be a few stumbles or that may not be the right fit for either side of the, the coin, but you need to go in and understand that you have just as much of a say in this um, as the as the client or as the company does. Um, and that comes out all too late for most people in that they have an offer. And that's when they start to feel the power of an interview process in their own hands. And I think it's such a shame because it comes right from the very beginning. If they've invited you to have an interview, they've seen something they like already. There's something there. Yes, we're, we're still in competition with others and we need to bear that in mind. But I think that's really key, the confidence in your own ability and your own skill and really drive some questions. If it feels like it's going well, it generally is. And if it feels like it's going well, push back a little bit, understand well, what are you looking for? I didn't maybe meet X point. Is there a reason for that being so important to this role? I have the interview, therefore it can't have ruled me out of it. So I wonder how much of that is, is in this role. And drive home those questions in as an expert in what you do that's definitely a big tip for what I have 
Secondly, I think really understand who you're interviewing with. Um, it could be anyone. I've made a million interview processes in my career and they can start with the hiring manager or what could be potentially a colleague. So understanding what the tone of that relationship would look like if you were to get the role, I think is incredibly important. And it sounds so obvious, but sometimes when we're preparing for an interview, we prepare the content and practice questions more than we prepare to talk to the person and understanding a little about who am I having a conversation with in this 30 to 60 minutes, I think can really set people apart as well. So two seemingly obvious things that I'm not seeing huge amounts of in, in interviews that I'm conducting, I think are important. It's really interesting, isn't it? I've had similar experiences as well. And, and people come across as not being prepared, even though they've probably spent a huge oh, amount yeah. of time, you know, on their content. But it's like, as you said, who am I being, who's interviewing me? You know, what, what do I know about them? What do I know about the company or who I'm going to be working for? So that you can take that content and actually bring it to life and make it relevant for the person, the company and the role that you're interviewing for. Exactly. And I often find that people that are doing interviews get horrible sort of by like scared, terrified to do an interview, sort of absolutely get imposter syndrome from the experience. So ultimately people really hype up interviews as this big scary thing but actually there are two people that potentially feel a little bit uncomfortable having a conversation and when you can boil it if you can boil it down to that psychologically you'll have a much better experience in my opinion absolutely and also outside of the the recruitment and talent acquisition team many managers have not been trained on how to interview and so as you said they, they might also be nervous themselves as well so you know being prepared having those questions getting them at ease is really important definitely well um thank you so much Chris it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you there's lots of advice there on uh on how to interview particularly in the current uh climate um where can people find you if they want to reach out Chris Absolutely. I'm a recruiter. So I live my life on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's normally the best place to find me. Um, Karis Young, Gusto, you can click and find me. I'm sure I'm quite open and I post a lot more stuff on there if, if need be. Well, thank you so much, Karis. And um, uh, I look forward to chatting to you in the future. Thanks so much, Angie. Pleasure.